Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Thank you, Matt. Everybody. I want to talk to you today. I want to preach about the ultimate church. The ultimate church. Do you reckon that you are sitting in the ultimate church? Yes. Or do you reckon we got to, you know... We're only like ten percent there, or have a listen to this message, and I might ask the question again at the end. Have you ever thought what the ultimate church might look like? Would it have just you know the right amount of people? Not too big, not too small, um, or perhaps it's just the right kind of people, you know, displaying the fruit of the Spirit. Or maybe the ultimate church will be a church that operates in the gifts of the Spirit. You know, it could be a church like the one in Acts 9.31, which is... Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. The ultimate church. Saul. You know Saul? before he was called Paul. Okay? Saul of Tarsus. Saul preached, talked, debated. He was passionate and he had a fear for the Lord. Believers are supposed to make a contribution to the kingdom. And it says this in Matthew 19 and 20. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end, to the very end of the age. Have we reached the end of the age yet, ladies and gentlemen? Do you think it's very far away? No, I'm in agreement with you all. <laughs> Alrighty. Saul of Tarsus made a contribution to the early church. But what about his beginnings? And what about his experience with God? Why was he so passionate about the kingdom? That light keeps getting me in the corner of the eye. And it's annoying me. Why was Saul of Tarsus so passionate about the kingdom? Let's have a look at a snapshot of his life. He witnessed Stephen's death. The testimonies and prayers of those that he persecuted, he heard them. He was baptised and encouraged by Ananias. The disciples at Damascus actually saved his life. 
Barnabas built a bridge between Saul and the church at Jerusalem. And Barnabas enlisted him to serve in the church at Antioch. And Barnabas travelled with him in evangelistic missionaries, ministry among the Gentiles. That was Saul's life. And each one of us, like ladies and gentlemen, congregation, each one of us has a history of some sort with God. We all have a history with God. Whether it's a history like this, whether you went around persecuting Christians, giving them a hard time, giving them a clip under the ear, I hate Christians. Were you like that? Or did you think, ah, Christians, Jesus is just a crutch that some people need to have. You know, I've got that a bit. Wonder, I wonder what your history with God is like. Maybe you were brought up in a Christian home and you were just a lovely child, a beautiful child that never got into trouble. not a reality is it it's not a reality but we do have a history and it is a history or history can shape our lives events happen in our lives as we grow up things happen good things happen bad things happen and they begin to shape our lives and they make us into the person that we are But we need to do something because sometimes bad things happen in our life. We give it to God, but we still have the memories of those bad things that happen. And we've got to do something with those memories. We've got to put them to bed. My father was a returned serviceman. He fought in the Second World War in the Navy. He's in the North Atlantic doing patrols. He's in Sri Lanka repairing uh, motor torpedo boats. He's in the Philippines servicing 25 British submarines. He saw a lot of action. He got married. When he come home from work, he didn't actually come home from work. He used to go to the RSL, try to wash away the memories of the war. Like many others, put his life literally on the line. He told me once that uh, he was down right at the bottom of the ship. He was a blacksmith and that's where the blacksmith shop was, down below the waterline. And one time he heard torpedoes going past. The hatch was closed. In that situation, all the hatches are closed. So as the ship gets hit, 
it's only one compartment that gets flooded. That sort of thing plays on your memory and it frightens people. And he used to go to the RSL and try to wash away the memories of the war. He used to come home and thrash me. He'd take off his belt sometimes. I was only a little boy. And I remember even one time my mother stood in between us and she said, no, don't take it out on the children. It's a bad memory. But I hold no malice towards my father. None at all. Because now as an adult, I understood what was going through his mind. But it wasn't long after that that a Scottish preacher came to our town. My dad went to see him to talk to him about Scotland. But the Lord intervened and he received Jesus. And you know, he never ever touched another drop of alcohol in his life. And he was healed. He was healed from those memories of the war. And I... And I prayed to God about the memories I had as a young child. And the Lord said to me, I want you to do one thing. I want you to make a friend of your father. Become his friend. And as an adult, I worked hard to make a friendship with my dad. And as the years went by, we got closer and closer and closer. And that washed away those unpleasant memories they're still there, I know what happened, I remember them I remember the times but it doesn't hurt me anymore it doesn't hurt me anymore we need to do something if, you know, we have a history, we have a history before we came to Jesus and we need if that, if there's something that is troubling you you need to talk to Jesus about it. And instead of allowing it to, to come to your mind and give you struggles, talk to Jesus about it. Let him show you the way. Oh, I thought, do I need to see a counsellor? You know? No. Jesus said, Be, make a friend of your dad. It surprised me. It wasn't the answer I was looking for. But I followed that. Talk to Jesus. Every one of us has a history associated with God. And this history shapes who we are, controls our behaviour and determines how passionate we are, folks, to serve God. But history is one thing and free will is another. And when it comes to serving God, some Christians are lax and others are full on. Some Christians are lax but others are full on. And it comes down, folks, it comes down to your decision. It comes down to your decision. It's up to you. We're the ones that have the free will. God made us that way. The only thing that God took away from Adam and Eve's free will was to place an angel in front of the tree of life. Because if they had eaten from that in their sinful state, then we would be sinful for all of eternity with no hope of redemption.
In one sense, God has done the same thing to every believer. The acceptance of a sinner into the kingdom, including the process and the experience of every believer. And perhaps our service to God and contribution to the church is based on our gratitude for him in relation to how our lives have been touched. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and were strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, they and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Folks, do you feel in your life that you become encouraged by the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes. God is alive and we must also be alive. We, sorry, where are we headed and what is our motive? Business people become passionate about promoting their business and promoting their product. In fact, I was driving home from Ballarat the other day and as I came through Talbot, I saw this sign, I hadn't seen it before. McDonald's sign stuck in some bloke's backyard, shining up the front, 15Ks. You see, McDonald's are passionate about promoting their product. Lots of other people are. It's in your face. And their chips are really yummy. A product that will sell, advertising, layout, customer service, location, friendliness, a desire to survive in business, all of these elements go together to ensure the survival of a business. Each Christian is like a business owner. We must promote Christianity, which will increase both the kingdom and the church. The church in Judea, Galilee and Samaria was encouraged by the Holy Spirit because Christianity was promoted. Christianity was promoted. Some years ago, Shirley attended my preaching workshop. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. But when she finished, when she passed, she said to me, I don't think I'm really that much of a preacher, but I really want to go into the schools and do RE, RI. And she did for a few years until it was stopped by the government. You see, here's a lady that has a passion to promote Christianity. And who knows how many kids' lives she's touched. Those kids will grow up one day with a seed already planted in their heart. God will engineer a circumstance 
for that seed to go. Whoa! I learned something about Jesus when I was in primary school. That nice lady came and talked to me. <laughs> Too often we get bogged down in life. And survival in the world becomes more important than serving God. It happens. You know, the job, the house, the car, the kids, the pay packet, the recreation, you know, life in general. Has its ups and downs, has its stresses. But does it have Jesus? That's the question. Yes, we are big on desire, but really, that only re- re- equates to small percentages with small blessings. Our life without Jesus. Small percentages and small blessings. Can we let go of these things to do God's will and to accept his blessing for our life? A church was blessed and encouraged by the Holy Spirit because of preaching, talking, debating, passion and fear of the Lord. And we need to realise and understand the importance of letting go of the world, ladies and gentlemen. Letting go of the world and drawing closer and closer to God. We must make a deliberate and a conscious choice to establish, organise and promote our own personal ministry to the world. Question of God. What are you doing for God? What are you doing for God? There's one thing that I find in the story of God appearing to Elijah in a gentle whisper. In Kings 19, after God appeared in the gentle whisper, he spoke to Elijah. And I believe this is the same way that he speaks to us. God speaks to your heart. Not the loud thunder, but the gentle whisper of the still, small voice. You know that voice. You've heard that voice. You've heard that voice. Sometimes you've ignored that voice. Sometimes you've responded. I'm not prophetic, but I know that's life. But folks, make room for his presence. And you must tune your ear to that still, small voice. Tune your ear to that voice. You know, it's about discernment. It's about wisdom. It's about thinking about the decision you want to make and the impact that that decision will have on other people. And then you'll hear that still small voice. It will say, go or stop or wait or not yet. 
Jesus has left us less Jesus has left us with an advocate and a helper who lives within all believers the Holy Spirit God cares but he's not too busy to meet with you he invites you in Come on, Helen. Come on, Hannah and Jennifer. Come into my kingdom. Come on, Matt and Jimmy. Come on, everybody. It's an invitation. He wants to meet with you one-on-one and help you with your most pressing situation. Don't worry. He's not coming with earthquakes. He's not coming with fire. He's coming with gentle compassion because he loves you and cares for you and wants to meet right here where you are. That's what God wants to do. God is love. It says that in the book of John. God is love. If you want to know what love is, love is God. Love is God. He's there. He invites you in. Doesn't he say, Seek and you shall knock and the door will be Hey, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, let's wrap this up. Don't worry. He's not coming in the earthquake. He's coming with the still small voice. The Bible shows the progress of the God-man relationship. It's a history book of people who are passionate to serve God and to and people who accepted sorry people who are passionate to serve God who accepted them as sinners on their way to hell. Folks, each one of us was on our way to hell at some stage. But God came and answered your call. He came and answered your call. And now we're on our way to heaven. Are you ready? Are you ready to see the pearly gate swing open wide? Yeah. Woo! What a day that will be. I can't wait. But folks, I don't want to die just yet because there's work to be done. And although I think the time's near, I say, Lord, tarry. Just give us a bit longer. We've still got churches to plant and people to get names in the book and disciples to raise up and evangelists to be sent out. We've got work. I want to do it all in at least the next 10 years. I'll get fired up, folks, for Jesus. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is... Oh, death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. How awesome is it that God Almighty can accept us in all our wrongness and offer to share his eternal home with us. Surely the least we can do is to be willing, a willing, a willing servant. We need to be willing servants who have, as Chris says, willing hearts. 
God has placed a call upon your life to serve him, whether you actively are actively serving him or just serving in a low percentage, I urge you to come out for prayer today. Now, we've already had some prayer ministry today. If you feel challenged by this message, you come out and we'll pray. I want to pray for God's anointing upon your life, that your ministry would be fully revealed and realised to you or realise in you, that you would rise up in these last days and that you would preach and talk and debate and become more passionate and about that your fear of the Lord would increase. I want to pray that others will receive salvation and that discipleship will occur because you serve God. I want to hear folks from the still small voice. I've changed the scripture to what it says there. The Bible says you should not add to scripture. But I've added to scripture. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria, Maryborough and Bealaba, folks, was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. We can add our names in there. We can add our names to that list. I'm going to pray. I'm just going to finish with a prayer. Instead of asking people to come out, I'm going to pray for everybody. I'm going to pray for Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this day. Father, we just so much feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in this building. Every one of us came here today with the Holy Spirit in their hearts and their lives. And I want to pray, Lord, for this congregation here today. For every one of us, Lord, from the youngest to the oldest, That your spirit, Lord, would come into us, each one of us, afresh and anew. Lord, that we would rise up to be the church that you want us to be. Father, you have faith in us that we can do the job, fulfil the mission. And so, Father, I pray your anointing, Lord, would come down, even right now, and rest on our heads and our shoulders, Lord. As we close this service today, Lord, that your anointing and your touch would be upon every one of us. Fill our hearts afresh and anew. Lord, fill us from head to toe with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, let us go away from here today, Lord, full of passion, and vigour Lord for the ministries and the missions that you place on our hearts in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen Time has gone a little bit folks but I would like to finish with one last song
Thanks for listening to this podcast by Wattle City Church. If you Google Wattle City Church, you'll find us on Anchor, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and a whole bunch of other platforms. Feel free to listen. We pray that you'll be encouraged by this message and by other messages that you listen to. We praise God and we pray blessings upon you in Jesus' name. Amen.